We're talking about spirit, soul, and body. Last week, I talked extensively about children and how children are born alive unto God. The reason I believe that great, great number of ministers' children who served God and their kids were speaking in tongues and prophesying and preaching at four years old, then later their kids backslid. Now, praise God, I know tons of them that have come back. Tons of them that have come back. But I think one of the reasons we haven't been well at holding on to our kids, there's several reasons. First of all, if you've got discrepancy in your home. If you're preaching one thing and living another, you're going to have rebellious kids. So you, if you have discrepancy in your home. And secondly, you know, neglect. Putting everybody else in the church above your kids will cost you down the road. And, you know, that works at the workplace too, folks. That's not just in the preacher's house. And then thirdly, another major reason for that is because we thought they saved. And we just weren't paying attention. We thought they were saved. We thought they'd be prophesying and speaking in tongues all their lives. And we thought they were saved. They just were alive unto God. And when you're alive unto God, we could go in the nursery now and get them all speaking in tongues. Hallelujah. Because they're alive unto God. Amen. And we prove that with John the Baptist being filled with the Holy Ghost in his mother's womb and all sorts of stuff. So that would be worth investing in for your children's sake. But tonight, something else I've been promising to teach on, eternal redemption. Because it's important that we understand eternal redemption. And so first of all, turn to Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 12. And we're going to teach on eternal redemption in the light of spirit, soul, and body. Eternal redemption. Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once, say once, once, into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Jesus went into the holy place, and he only went once, and he's never going again. Once was enough. And he obtained eternal redemption for us. Now, when people get saved, initially... They feel good. They feel like a brand new person. But oftentimes, and I don't know how it was exactly for you, I got saved when I was 10 years old. Of course, I sinned, I'm sure, right away. I sassed my mother or did something, you know, I'm sure. Especially around seventh grade, I was getting in a lot of trouble for talking back. When people first get saved, it's not long until everybody that gets saved messes up. They sin. It's not long. They often slip back into old things that they were doing before they got saved. And then, if they hadn't been properly taught, they will think something like this. They will think, well, I was changed, but now I've blown it. Now I've blown it a lot. They get under condemnation. And if they're going to a church that preaches condemnation, I know there's churches that believe every time you sin, you've got to come back up and get saved. That couldn't be... Because you would have to get saved before breakfast, after breakfast, before your coffee break in the morning. Because if you really look at sin right. See, because what denominations that are talking about that are thinking is, well, just big sins. You know, just big sins make you fall. Little sins don't make you fall. If we look at sin like God looks at sin, sin is sin to God. Sin is sin then you probably have had days, I know there's days where we do better, but there's days that you probably sinned right after you got up in the morning. Did anybody ever stump your toe in the middle of the night and sin? You know, you probably sinned twice. You probably said the curse word, and then you griped at your wife for moving the furniture. 
You got out of love. See, so you sinned twice right there, stumping your toe. Well, what'd she move the furniture for? Well, I moved it twice in one day last week. It was bad at our house. I was moving furniture like everything. So they feel like they've blown it. But I want to tell you, what is done in the spirit? Salvation, redemption is done in the spirit realm. It's not done in the flesh realm. It's not done in the soul realm. And we've talked about this over and over with spirit, soul, and body, so I won't belabor the point. But it doesn't fluctuate. What's done in the spirit is constant. It does not fluctuate based on performance. If you go to the prison, to the jail, and you know people that are in the prison and in the jail, their lives, they are ruined. Or a lot of them have ruined their lives. I mean, they're not permanently ruined. God can always do something. But they've messed their lives up pretty bad. Wouldn't you all agree? They wouldn't be in jail if they hadn't messed their lives up. You know, a lot of times we send people in and they hear the gospel. And we tell them God loves you. God wants to change you. God wants to save you. And so they believe the word that is preached. And that's good. And they pray. And they have an eternal benefit. They're going to be in heaven. Amen. But you know, a lot of times those prisoners, they're looking for change right right now. And you know, sometimes they get discouraged because they wake up the next morning and they're in the same cell. They're facing the same trial and they're facing the same penalties because salvation is not a work of the flesh. Salvation and redemption does not take away what you've done in the flesh. Now you can renew your mind, you can use your faith and you can come out of some of those things. But you're going to have to renew your mind. You're going to have to use your faith. Otherwise, you're just going to be a good saved prisoner. And you can be the best prisoner in that jail. Hallelujah. If you get your mind renewed. Hallelujah. But you know, a lot of times they're disappointed. Now, if we look only at the physical realm, then it's easy to say, well, the word's not true. If we just look at the physical realm. If we, if we just look at the physical realm, it's easy to say, well, God didn't change anything. I got saved last night and nothing changed. You know, it'd be easy to say that. It'd be easy for a prisoner to say everything's the same. Well, you know, sometimes it's easy for us to say that. We'll get saved and then we'll mess up and we'll say, well, see, nothing changed. I didn't really change. Well, your soul's in a habit of sinning. You've got habits. You've got tendencies that were passed down from your parents. I mean, learned things. Things that you learned psychologically from your parents. I mean, you watch somebody cuss all your life, it's going to be real easy to cuss. Amen? We talked about this last week. Those babies, we watched something on the Discovery Channel, how at four months that the baby begins to hear sounds inside the womb. You can hear the mother's heart beating, buds slushing and swishing and all that noise that's going on in there. And like 10 days later or two weeks later, the baby hears sounds outside the womb. And so many times, even though their little spirits are born alive unto God, we've already begun to mess with their souls because they've been hearing that mother and daddy fight and cuss and sling and bang and you know what some families live like more than you'd probably want to know, live that way. And so before that baby's ever born, we're already messing with his soul realm. And you know, praise God for churches like this. When you get pregnant in this church, you get a cassette tape given to you, pregnant and loving it. And it tells you about speaking over your child and talking to your child. And so lots of babies go through a lot of things before they ever get born. It's all done in the Spirit. Many times we got saved. Some of you may have got saved and you're the same person on the outside. Same job. Same discouraging circumstances. And the devil throws stuff at us all the time. And sometimes if we're not careful, we'll become confused. If you're looking 
for all the change to take place in the physical realm, you're going to think many times that you lost your salvation. You're going to say, I don't feel saved. And sometimes you're going to act like you're not saved. Now we got a renewed mind and we do that less, but I've had days where I didn't act very saved. If somebody looked in our window, they'd say, my Lord. Well, I mean, there's been times when my kids were little that they could hear me yelling in the front yard. And they were probably going, she's a preacher's wife? I was like, because <laughs> I'm yelling at one of my kids and giving them the right act. Y'all ever act unsaved? Well, you know, and then we do that, and I don't know about you, but then I'd go in the house and get under condemnation. But I'd remember I was the pastor's wife. And I'd be going, oh, God, I hope nobody heard me. Oh, God, I hope nobody saw me. Well, of course they did, you know. Well, you know, and you've done some of the same kind of things. But we got to remember that the eternal redemption is something that's been done in the Spirit, don't we? Let's look in Ephesians chapter 4, 24. Now, and it's the same with healing. And most people, they just don't understand this. This is why we have a lot of sick people in the body of Christ. They come up for prayer, and you got to understand when you come up for prayer for healing that God does everything in the spirit realm. And he does not withhold any good thing from us. And he would not turn you back. If he did, he would be a respecter of persons. He wouldn't say, not tonight, Karen. No, not you. Because he didn't do that to the woman with the issue of blood. He couldn't do it to us. He would make himself a liar because he said he was no respecter of persons. Well, yeah, but my, I didn't feel like I got it. Well, that's because you're only considering the physical realm. And then you take your mouth and you abort what was done. You say something like, well, I just don't understand why God hadn't healed me. Well, he did. Just give some time for the spirit realm to get over into the flesh. Amen. Just keep your mouth hooked up in agreement with the truth of God's word because he always works with the spirit. He's far more concerned with the spirit and he puts it and deposits the healing into your spirit. Actually, healing lives inside of you already. But the anointing will come into you. The anointing don't come into your leg or your knee. It comes into your spirit and then it works its way out into your flesh. But when you stop it with your words, you'll stop it from going from your spirit to your flesh by saying, I don't understand. I don't know why. Or check your body. You're not supposed to check your body to see if you're healed. Now, sometimes Joe Morris will say, don't check to see if you're healed. Check and see you are healed. Amen. Not every manifestation is instant. Amen. But God doesn't love one person in this church more than another. He's not healing one and leaving another behind. So keep your mouth in line. Amen. And we got to keep our mouth in line also with eternal redemption. Are you in Ephesians 4 verse 24? It says, And that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. You know, how fast your outward circumstances change depends more on you than on God. When you get saved, now you've got to put on the new man. You've got to put him on in your actions. You've got to put him on in your believing. You've got to put him on in your soul. You've got to break some of those old habits. You've got to break yourself. One way to break yourself is to repent. And do what the Word says, confess your faults one to another. If you're in denial that you've even sinned, if you're pretending you didn't sin, 2 Corinthians 5.21. Well, I know I had to break myself. You know, one time I lied to a church member. And God dealt with me and I repented. And I don't know if he required this or if I just did it. 
you know, I guess I thought she might find out I lied to her. So I called her and told her, I'm sorry, but I didn't tell you the truth. Well, you know what? I've never lied to one since because I didn't like doing it. You know, you got to put on the new man and say, that's not how I'm going to live. That's not what God can bless. So I'm changing this. I'm not going to do this because God can't bless it. You got to put on the new man. We're constantly doing that. Amen. None of us have arrived. 2 Corinthians 5.21. You hadn't arrived. I hadn't either. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. We are the righteousness of God in Christ. Where are we the righteousness of God at? In the spirit. Right? We couldn't be the righteousness of God in the flesh. Hallelujah, because I mess up in the flesh, don't you? But we are the righteousness of God in the Spirit. There's been a divine exchange. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So how could God see me righteous? Look at John 4, 24. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The reason he can see us righteous is because he's a spirit. He's dealing with us according to the spirit. He wants his worship, what? From our spirit. That means a man that's not born again can't even worship God. Because you've got to do it from the Spirit. They've not been recreated in their spirit. Amen? So we go before Him in the Spirit. We should never approach God based on our flesh or our soul. If you go to God based on your actions or based on your thoughts, it will cause you to back off. Why? Because none of us are perfect. Did you ever notice in Hebrews it says to come boldly to the throne of grace that you might obtain help? We have to go to the throne of grace based on our spirit. It has to be that way because notice we're going for help. But most people have the attitude, I'll get myself all cleaned up and then I can maybe go to God. No, he said go when you need help. Well, I need help when I've messed up, when I've sinned, when I've goofed up. When things aren't going right, that's when I need help. And he said, come based on your spirit. you got to get your mind renewed that your spirit is righteous. I don't care what you just did. I don't care if you just slapped your mother. That's bad. That's bad. But if you slapped your mother, if you got so in the flesh, then just go based on I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. If you are always looking at your flesh, you'll get discouraged. If you're always looking at your goof-ups, really what you have is you're being sin-conscious versus spirit-conscious. And God doesn't even want you thinking about sin. Boy, if you sin, the minute you know it, repent quickly, forget it. Don't even think about it. You know, when we approach God, it's wrong to go to Him this way. Oh God, I'm so sorry. I failed you so miserably. Oh God, have mercy on me. Well, He already did. And you're the righteousness of God. We don't have to go groveling and sniveling. Amen? That approach, going to God like that, is approaching Him in your own righteousness. And I don't care if you don't even think you sinned, you can't go to Him on your righteousness because any righteousness you have is not even worthy of Him. And so you're already in the total wrong realm, no matter if you've didn't sin or you did, you can't go to him that way. And you cannot go to him for healing or anything such thing based on, well, God, I've served you. You will not get healed if you go to him based on, God, I've served you. 
because you are going on filthy righteousness, your own filthy righteousness, a self-righteousness. You're presenting to him something that it don't matter what you do. I don't care if you served him 24 hours a day. It's not even worthy of him. He's so worthy. Amen. So you can't go to him and say, but I've served you. I know my little grandmother died because of that. And she told my stepmom, she said, I thought that if you served God and loved him and witnessed for him, he wouldn't let cancer come on you. But she was not standing on the right playing field. She was totally out of the ballpark for health and healing. Because it's all on faith. I don't care if you've had three marriages and you've committed adultery so many times and you've had so many women or men, whichever one, so you don't even can't keep numbers if you'll go to him on faith. And that blows the church, the religious church, away. They don't like it. They don't like it when somebody they think is not righteous gets healed and they are so righteous and so holy and why am I not healed? But why? Because that's not the right playing field. You're trying to play the game on the wrong field. It's like County High and Hillcrest High playing a football game, but it's like showing up over in Gardendale somewhere. You're on the wrong field. You're not going to win if you're on the wrong field. No, you have to get on his playing field. And his playing field is that we approach him based on his righteousness, based on his goodness. Amen? We approach him based on how wonderful he is and what he's made us. If you are constantly looking at your own actions and thoughts, you're going to be feeling guilty all the time. Now, my husband, I'll say things like, well, I feel guilty that I didn't go to that shower. And he'll, boy, I get in trouble for saying you, I feel guilty about anything. That is like cursing at our house to say you feel guilty. I'm not allowed to feel guilty. And that's good. And I'm breaking that habit of saying that. If you are trying to please God in your thoughts and actions, that's good. Let's try to please God with our thoughts and actions. But you just got to know we do it because we love him. We don't do it to earn anything. We only do it just because we love Him. Amen? That's the only reason. The only reason we change anything in our lives is because I love Him. And also we do it because we know sowing and reaping works. Hallelujah. We know, man, if I don't change something, I'm going to reap a harvest here. Amen? Ephesians 1. Let's go over there. Ephesians 1. So, you know, there's a kind of a fine line there because we don't go on our own righteousness, but we don't go groveling and sniveling either. Oh, I'm so unworthy. That's getting over in the other ditch. No, you're not unworthy. You're worthy. But you're not worthy according to your actions and what you've done. You're worthy because he made you worthy. Because you received him. Hallelujah. It's a gift. Amen. It's totally a gift. Hallelujah. Ephesians 1 verse 5. Having predestined us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. To the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us accepted in the Beloved. It's already predestinated that everybody that received Jesus Christ is accepted in the Beloved. Accepted. You've got to get a hold of, I'm accepted. That is more than tolerated. We're not just tolerated, we're accepted. Amen? And God is pleased with us. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Ephesians 1.13 
in whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. We got born again, and so now we are righteous in the inner man, and we're sealed by the Holy Spirit. We've been sealed. 2 Corinthians 1.22, about being sealed. Now, I don't know, but I didn't know this for years. And you know, Baptists, they teach the security of the believer. Once saved, always saved. 2 Corinthians 1.22. But I can tell you, a lot of Baptists have big questions about that. Because they hear, you know, the assembly of God, brethren, oh, you're going to fall from grace and all this kind of stuff. And so it's like, well, you know, it does make sense. Because you've never been taught about the new birth. I never knew I was righteous. Did you all know you was righteous? No. I didn't know I was righteous. I didn't know I was sealed. I thought I was saved. And you know really what I thought of? I thought I was forgiven. I thought I was forgiven. And I am forgiven, but I am so much more than forgiven. And I brought me a little demo here. We're not having supper tonight. But let's just pretend this is what the spirit man of a lost person looks like. You get born again, and the Bible says, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, that you are a new creation. And the Amplified says you are a new creature never, that has never existed before. When you get born again, you are so much more than forgiven. See, to be forgiven would be somebody had a piece of paper and we could just kind of wash it off. Or in the Old Testament, they kind of covered it. They took the blood of goats and bulls and they just kind of covered it. Hallelujah. But we got something a lot better than that. When we get born again, we're changed. And it's like going from this to this. God destroyed the old man. God annihilated the old man. Yeah, I'd like to just annihilate this potato. My kids, their dad helped them build a potato gun when they were little. And they would shoot that thing. I'm telling you, it could annihilate a potato too. And, and it was a loud explosion. It was something else, wasn't it? We could just blow this sweet potato to a million pieces. I mean, so many little pieces you couldn't put it back together again. I wish you could see that. Just so many little pieces. Can you see that in the Spirit? So many little pieces that you can't find them all to put it back together again. That's destroying the old man. And you are a new creature. Now, think about it. When they say you sinned, you're going to lose your salvation. That means God's got to find all the little pieces of the old man that's been annihilated and he's got to bring them back and put that back in you. It's not possible. When you see it that way, see, you can't go from being a potato to a banana. You can't be potato one day, banana, now, potato, banana, potato, banana. You can't do that. But that's what some people, oh, you sin. And some people, oh, they've wore themselves out going up and down the aisle. They've wore their knees out in front of the altar because they sinned and they thought they got turned back into a sweet potato. Hallelujah. And then they got for a banana, but that didn't last long. So now they're a sweet potato. And then they're a banana. And now they're a sweet potato. And Lord, they don't know them from one. If you ask them, what, they don't know if they're saved or they're not saved. If you ask them if they go to heaven, they'd say, well, yeah. And they just do that because they think, well, God's merciful. Hallelujah. Well, you're not going to heaven because he's merciful. Jesus went to the cross because he's merciful. You're going because you received his mercy. Amen. You're not going because he's overlooking the New Agers and all the other people. That, oh, God's a good God. And you just wouldn't send this sweet potato to hell. <laughs> no, you just don't understand the new birth. 2 Corinthians 1.22. Okay, let's read that. 
who hath also sealed us and given the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. He sealed us, he made you into a new creature, and he sealed you, and he gave you the earnest or the down payment. The down payment of the Spirit in your hearts. Ephesians 4.30 And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto when? How, not till the day you sin or mess up and you're going to come unsealed. No, you're sealed unto the day of redemption. Amen? So you've been sealed. You're canned. You're just like peaches in a vacuum seal. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You're airtight. Your spirit's airtight. No airborne impurities can cause your spirit to spoil. When a Christian fails, the rottenness, the defilement does not penetrate the spirit. Now, it's nasty, and I don't like Christians sinning. I mean, I don't want to sin. I'm telling you, it's bad. It's not going to be well with them. It's not good, but they're going to go to heaven. Amen. Ananias and Sapphira, boy, they messed up bad. Came in in the presence of the glory of God, outpouring of God and the glory of God. We'll see this in the last days. You watch. The reason we don't see it now is because the glory is not in manifestation to the degree it was then. But when you have glory in great manifestation and then somebody comes in and right in the presence of that glory they sin, lie to the Holy Ghost, they just fell over dead. But I guarantee you we'll go to heaven we'll see Ananias and Sapphira. Amen. So it's not good to sin. Don't kid yourself. Paul said, don't kid yourself and say, well, you know, shall we, shall we sin more then so grace can abound? No. That'd be dumb, wouldn't it? The wages of sin are death. Not eternal death. See, we've interpreted that wrong. We've said, well, the wages of sin are eternal death. But the wages of sin are death Eternal death, people don't, people don't go to hell because of sin. People go to hell because they didn't receive Jesus Christ. So it can't be talking about eternal death. It's talking about the wages of sin or death. It's talking about sowing and reaping. It's talking about if you sow sin, you're going to reap death. You're going to reap problems. Yeah, I don't care. You say you can get forgiven, but some of it you can't ever straighten it out. Adultery, you can never get it back right. You can't fix it. You can't fix it, folks. I know. Been there in our family, not personally, but been there. You never can get it back. You can't ever get back to the perfect will of God. You can't get back. You can get forgiven. You can get washed. And you can get plan B and live it. But when people, when someone in the family commits adultery and then they end up getting divorced and, and the kids end up living with this one and, you know, and all that kind of stuff, there is no way to ever get it back like it was. Billy Graham says you can't unscramble eggs. Once you get it scrambled in sin, you won't be able to ever fix it. And it's a high price to pay because a lot of times it's just a whim and it has to be deception. But like Pastor said, you don't go there unless you've thought of it about it first. And not you didn't think of it once either. You thought and thought and thought and thought and thought. And then you get there. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And thank God God's merciful and He's good. And things can be better. They can be good, but they can never be perfect. And we still deal with it in our family. We still deal with, well, okay, she's going to be there. If he's there, it's going to be uncomfortable. And, you know, not uncomfortable for us, but uncomfortable for them. You know. 
29 years later, and we're still dealing with this in our family. Well, there's no condemnation. Everybody's forgiven. Everybody's going to heaven. So I'm just telling you about sin. You don't ever get it back. You know, you can go out there and get pregnant and have a baby, and you can get forgiven, and the baby's a blessing, but still, you've got a whole bunch of problems that you didn't have if you hadn't sinned. Our kids need to know this. I mean, we need to tell them. But you know we can prevent things, is what I'm saying, by not sinning. Now, some of us got there. I mean, we were just sinners. We weren't saved. So when a Christian fails, the rottenness, the defilement doesn't penetrate the spirit. Sin is not just doing wrong, violating commandments. See, this is where we've gone wrong in this. Sin is also what you should have done but didn't. We're not saying that to put people under condemnation. Nobody in here would say, okay, you sinned, uh, you yelled at your husband, you walked out of love. To know to walk in love and not, well, okay, you're going to go to hell, you need to get saved again. We see, we would never think of that. Because we've been taught only big sins, then we have people in church that are gossiping, backbiting. You know, the Church of Christ in Seminole have split five times. There's five Church of Christ, and they all came from each other. They just split, 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 split. The Baptists have this thing of let's go plant a church and put one on every corner. It's not that. They got one on every corner in Seminole, but it's because they got strife. They've got sister bucket mouth. They've got gossip. And yet we say, oh, no, they're going to heaven. But in those same churches, oh, my Lord, if you divorce, you are on your way to hell. God told Brother Hagin he'd judge his people quicker on spiritual sins like strife and stuff like that in the church than he would on physical sins like adultery and stuff and divorce and things that, like that. We've just had this Ten Commandment mentality. You know, mostly who we've hammered on is people that commit adultery and people that get divorced. That's who we've hammered on. Isn't that who they hammer on the most? They don't ever hammer on anybody that's lied on their income tax. I mean, everybody kind of feels like you're supposed to do that. But those things are sin. Just like not praying and all those kind of things, missing the mark. Anytime, if God told us to pray and we don't, we're, we're missing it. You know, we're missing it. That's not to condemn us, but that's to show us that we can't even go to Him based on our goodness. We've got to go to God based on the spirit realm, based on our righteousness that we are, that He made us. Based on His goodness, really. Amen. And that frees us up, even with one another, I can cover for you. If I see you do something wrong, I can cover for you. Why? Because I can see you as righteous. The Bible says I can even pray for you that you be forgiven if you don't sin the sin unto death. And that's why we ought to pray for one another, and we ought not to be so quick to, to say, Oh, you know, they're in sin. When you sin, your spirit does not participate. That's right. Your spirit does not participate. You've been sealed. You are a banana. <laughs> you are sealed. It doesn't penetrate. 